Hello, and welcome to Disciples Quest. This is part two of our discussion on Hebrews chapter two. I hope you enjoy it. God bless. But uh, what do you think verse six means, Justin? By Jesus being a human, he was on the same level as uh, us, well, therefore lower than the angels while he was here, but he's also sure. higher than the angels because he was God. Yeah. So it's kind of Yeah, and that's what hard, I kind of meant. You know? Like it's yeah. like he's both God and he's both and he's man. Um but with us, like we were given a role too. And in the fact that I mean, God gave salvation that ability to humankind. Right. And he gave us a very distinct role. Actually, a higher role than angels yes. in that fact. Um, so you've put all things in subjection under his feet. Right. You've, you've given us dominion over the earth. Yes. And so for when it says, for he did not subject to the angels the world to come, he's just saying that, you know, for angels, he didn't, they didn't uh, give them the world to um, have dominion over, concerning which we are speaking. But when as testified, some were saying, what is man that you remember him? And what is mankind that you remember him? Um, questioning the importance of man or the son of man that you are concerned about him. So why are you concerned about him? You have made him for a little while lower than the angels, what the NASB says. You have crowned him with glory and honor. Must be talking about Jesus. And have appointed him over the works of your hands. And that must be talking about mankind. Um, I'm not certain of any of these things. (laughs) Yeah, And that's fine that we're not certain. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. He's talking about mankind. For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. So this is a Psalms, and it's partially a prophecy, or at least the commentaries that I I read about this. I I don't read commentaries right away, but I wanted some better insight because I didn't quite understand. And I read a commentary, a Matthew Henry. I actually like his commentary. I know that some people think he's a bit heavy, but, and I, I see that for some things. But um, he, he thought it was a prediction that one day we, mankind is no longer going to have complete dominion over the earth, but nature will have dominion over us in some ways, hmm. which I thought was interesting. I don't know. Um, this could be a prophecy right here that eventually we won't be, sub, not everything will be subject to us anymore. What are your thoughts, Justin? <laughs> From what I've read, I don't think that's true. Yeah. I think we will always have dominion over that. Well, it Maybe, could be something that passes. I, mean, I haven't looked fully like, into Revelation as much as I mean. Sure, everyone needs to look into it more. To be honest, but. Maybe maybe in the end times it does change, but from what I understand, we do have dominion over all animals and okay. over the earth itself. Mm-hmm. I think Jesus gave God gave that to us. Yeah, and uh, so I'm not exactly sure what it is he's referencing. Yeah, I don't know. It, that could be a prophecy of us not having everything subject to us for a certain period of time during like the seven year tribulation. That's the immediate thing that came to my head. He didn't mention that in the commentary, but I was like, oh, I wonder if that's what happens during the end times. Then we no longer have complete dominion anymore. But, um, like, we're not in control. Like, I think he's talking about, like, just every, we're in control. We're at the top of the food chain, and then maybe mm. something changes somewhere along the way. I don't know. We don't need to stick too much on that one part. I don't think it's helpful. Unless someone else has another idea. But if not, we can move on to verse 9. I think we can move on. Okay. 
But we do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Wow. Mm, tasty. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. So, I mean, this is obviously talking about Christ's sacrifice for yes. us, uh, but it's really emphasizing that he died for all. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. He, man, it's, it's every time you see the, the what's the word, the uh, depictions of Christ being crucified, it always hurts because you realize how much he was mocked, spat on, he was beat, he was flogged, which Passion of the Christ really shows that what that flogging process was like where they would take a strap that had pieces of bones and clay and glass on it would just shred apart his back. Wow. Right? I thought the the passion of the Christ did a good job of invoking intense emotion. Yeah, I mean, it shows you and that, and there are many people that believe that that didn't even go as far as what it actually was. Mm. Um, it's hard to say. Is that movie a good movie to watch? It, it, it is not that it's not uh, hard to say. I'm we do have watched that because it was too violent. <laughs> I understand it was that. Really I, was like, I, w- oh, well, I, I wouldn't it. say that necessarily that it's hard to say because the Romans very, very well documented um, everything that they did. So we know exactly what they would do when they would flog. Um, would, so, so do I don't we know exactly what they did? And Jesus, oh wait, so oh, so a flogging was a a standard. Like it was, it was done for the only only the worst of criminals. Okay. But there is a lot of evidence that shows that they they flogged Jesus more than they flogged anyone ever. Like oh, he got it the really? worst. Yeah, that's and crazy. I think that's I think it makes sense mm-hmm. as to why. Uh, but anyways, let me tie it back in. Why sure would he get worse? Jesus, because <laughs> it only makes sense that the guy who came in to save us all received the worst of punishments. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I say that, I mean, he died for the forgiveness of us all. To me, that would require a lot. If I just heard, oh, you know, he he kind of just passed away and he said, you know, I was that was for you guys. <laughs> it's like, no, God, yeah, I mean, even... It wouldn't would make sense because he's trying to make a point. Yeah, it's and like, he, the way that he chose to die was through crucifixion, right. which at the time, that was the most painful way that you could ever kill anyone. The, the word excruciating was actually came from the Latin excruce, which means off the cross. It was the most painful, most humiliating way that anyone could die. And he looked at that and said, yeah, that's that's the one that I'm going to choose my son to have for you guys. I wonder what everyone thought when the sky went black. <laughs> yeah, the thunder <laughs> like, rolled in and the table split. Yeah. Like how many Roman soldiers like we just felt super uneasy and were like, oh, we made Ooh. a mistake. Uh, so Jesus about that. Uh, well, there's the one that definitely, uh, said truly you are the son of God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's like, yeah, surely he is actually, but why did, why did he do this? Right. He did it for the forgiveness of all, which is what verse nine is saying so that we could all one day see him in paradise. Mm -hmm. It's, it's hard to comprehend in my opinion. I can't comprehend it still. The fact that he would do that, he might taste death for everyone. Mm -hmm. That is the, uh, the biggest form of love that could ever exist. So in I, his, can't th- I can't think of a higher love than that. So, and that's quite humble, eh? Um, for a little while, lower than the angels, because uh, he's suffering death, crown of glory and honor. So, but by the grace, yeah, he. So that's pretty humbling, right? You have the God of everything. You're just like, yeah, I'll just become a person. I'll become lower than the angels that I created on the yeah, same level yeah. as man, so that I might taste death to save everyone else's life. Hmm. That's pretty loving, God. Should we stop there? 
Did you just want to finish it and then make it a two-parter? That's or? what I was thinking. Okay. Okay. Because we're all like we're, we're already we're already here. Yeah. We're in thoughts. So, verse ten: For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and through whom are all things, and bringing many sons to glory, to perfect the author of salvation through sufferings. So I have a few thoughts on that. Um, all things through him, captain of their salvation, perfect through suffering. It just sounds like he conquers it, right? He's like the captain. Yeah, it is. I don't know. I like that. I like the word. It is that poetic. They, that they chose captain of their salvation. Perfect. Mine says, oh, mine's not as cool. It says author. Well, perfect through suffering. So cool, man. That is kind of cool. Author is like this certain like amount of, um, here, let me just quickly look what the Greek says. Um, founder, leader, author, prince. I don't know. Those are the only definitions I have. For what? For this, whatever this was. I can't read the Greek word. It looks what funny. It looks like word? hydroglyphics. Oh, I just scrolled over author. Because he says captain's mind says author. I just wanted to see what it said. Okay. Definition. Founder, leader, prince. Hmm. Nice. Author, so prince. So I don't see captain. of here. salvation. Of salvation, yeah. So for verse 10, of their salvation, perfect through sufferings. I find that I find that interesting that it choose that wording. Mm-hmm. So kind of like I was, I was saying a couple minutes ago, like the greatest showing of his love is the sacrifice, right? He suffered, although he was clean. He was perfect. Um, he, he, cl- he cleaned the stains of our souls. He didn't have to do that. But he forgave us of our sins, although he was, himself was sinless. Uh, a quick poem I want to share. that It's always been one of my favorite poems that has to do with that forgiveness that Christ showed. It's called A New Leaf. He came to my desk with a quivering lip. The lesson was done. Have you a new sheet for me, dear teacher? I've spoiled this one. I took his sheet, all soiled and blotted, and gave him a new one, all unspotted. And to his tired heart I cried, Do better now, my child. I went to the throne with a trembling heart. The day was done. Have you a new day for me, dear master? I've spoiled this one. He took my day, all spoiled and blotted, and gave me a new one, all unspotted. And into my tired heart he cried, Do better now, my child. I love the analogy it gives of the... The, the paper that the, the student had messed up and the teacher gave him a new paper and said, do better now. And then it's yeah. a good connection to Christ going, going to Christ saying, Christ, I messed up. My day is, my, my day is spoiled and blotted and he gives us a new one through his forgiveness. Yeah. He washes you white as snow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought I actually wrote notes just based on the word author of salvation. I didn't realize that other translations, they said differently. Oh, I mean, it's not entirely true. I, Emily did say captain, but either way, I think Jesus was made perfect in his role as author of salvation through his suffering. Not that he wasn't already perfect. He certainly was. And this is referencing a certain role that he was playing, though. In order for his role to be perfected, he must suffer. Because it references many times in the text about how in order to become the perfect vessel, he must he had to come down here to our level and suffer the same things. So he, he is perfect up there. I just think in a different way down here, he had the same temptations. He had the same reason to have the same temptations, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he suffered. Pain. I mean, he was himself tempted. Yeah. He was yeah. tempted. He, he got hungry. So that, yeah. made, that tempts him to steal or whatever. Like he, he, his bones broke. He felt pain and misery and emotion and all the things that would cause someone to sin. He had every reason to sin and, I don't know, be hateful or something, but he didn't do any of that. He resisted all of that, and that's what made him perfect. The perfect lamb yeah. um, is able, because he never sinned once, even though he had reason to. He had human experiences, but mm-hmm. chose not to sin. 
And so that was made him the perfect vessel to suffer and die. Yeah. And I think that's backed up because, um, so I think that's backed up because when it, it says stuff like, for a little while lower than angels because of the suffering, uh, namely Jesus because of the suffering of death, crown of glory and honor, so that by grace of God, he might taste out for everyone. It seems like that was a prerequisite, a necessary one. And more of that in verse 14, but we'll get there. Not only was it was he perfect for it, the fact that he was a human, but it also made him personable. He made him relatable. We couldn't, I don't know how much we could relate to him if he didn't come in human form. He's not some arbitrary mm-hmm. idea out in the ether. Right. He was a human being that was tempted and that we can, like, I'm not going to speak on this too much, but in Islam, Allah is just a man up, the man upstairs, the the ultimate God in their minds, right? The deity, but you don't have a relationship with him. There is no, mm-hmm. there's no personality. There's no, there's no back and forth relationship with Allah. He just has this extremely like pious yeah, where in in Christianity he came in human form, mm-hmm. which I think is an interesting connection. No, totally, and yeah, to perfect the author of salvation through sufferings, mm-hmm. it says that author to perfect it through suffering, it was necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eleven says for both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. So. Jesus who is sanctifying and the people who are sanctified are from one father. And so he can call them brethren, I guess. I, I think that's what it's trying to say. Yeah, I think it's a message about unity and uh, just like a more relational, uh, a message about like the relationship that we have with Jesus. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're all his brethren. Yeah, yeah. and it, it kind of it makes it feel like we're family. Like he's calling us his brothers. Yeah, we're all part, we all have the same father. So we're his brothers. Saying, I will proclaim your name to be my brethren in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. I didn't get that because it's a direct quote from Psalm twenty-two, twenty-two. Yeah, this one I uh, had to read commentaries about too. I'm not saying that like you yeah. should get all your inspiration from commentaries. Because in that one, it's like the psalmist is saying that about God. But here it's like God saying that about us. So that just confused me. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Henry's theory was something like when we're saved, when we're made new in the blood of Christ, we're set apart from everyone else in a certain way. We're endowed with something that no one else has. But and to sing praise to us? Yeah. I don't know. That's just what I read. I thought it was an interesting perspective, but I really couldn't say. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children whom God has given me. So put your trust in us? Like Jesus is I have nothing us? on that verse. Just so no, you know. no. I'll put my trust in him. I'll put my trust in God. Mm-hmm. Not the other way around. <laughs> but he is saying that. Yeah, this is where Matthew Henry's theory comes back into play where he thought, yeah, Jesus was saying, I'll put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children who God has given me. Jesus was talking. His theory was that this is Jesus speaking. Um, and that, again, it, it never mind. I'm not going to go into so, the... So by giving us salvation, he trusts us to be stewards. We are endowed in something he that... trusts us to actually do the work. Other people don't have. That's That was his theory. I don't really feel like... Well, it, uh, the reason I said said that right away, it's talking about God, is because I put my trust in him, him being capitalized, which would automatically tell me it's 
talking mm-hmm. about God. That's a very good point. But that quote is talking about about God, but here it's saying Jesus saying that to us. It's well, possible Jesus would be also saying, misunderstood Jesus would be saying it to us, but he's saying, I put my trust in the Father. Could be. Hmm. Anyway, we don't necessarily, it's unfortunate, but shall we just move on? I think so. lost in the translation. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. So I think we'll probably all have stuff to say on this one. And this is what I was referencing earlier. Um, therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, so he's, you know, he's leading up to a point, he himself likewise also partook of the same. So he, God became man, mm-hmm. just like he became flesh and blood because that was necessary for this to happen, for the for him to become the perfect vessel to be sacrificed, that through death, right? So there's the point. Yeah, mm-hmm. that through death. He might yeah. render powerless him who had the power of the death, that is the devil, so that he might render render the devil powerless. Yeah, because he conquered the grave. Right. He conquered death. The devil had the power of death over us ever since he tricked Adam and Eve to sin, which caused the curse of all humanity. The devil wants to corrupt and destroy all of God's creation, and with the sin as his weapon, he held the power of death over us until Jesus made that weapon powerless. He still has sin as a weapon. Like, he he, he still uses that. Um, but if we get sanctified through Jesus' death, his weapon cannot destroy us. And so that's what he mean by making it powerless. He still uses it, but um, it cannot destroy us. We'll still, because mm-hmm. we're cleansed by the and, blood of Christ. Man, the part is, too, that it is what we deserve. We do deserve to be destroyed. If Christ didn't forgive our sins, we would all be in hell. And frankly, it's what we deserve. We all fall short of the glory of God, as the Bible says. And we are deserving of wrath. And uh, I often think of what Paul said in First uh, Timothy. He said, uh, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. I mean, that was him declaring that, you know, because he killed Christians, that he is the most deserving mm-hmm. of wrath. And we all are. And I, I don't think we, we can't, we can't cut that short. Like, uh, as the, as I was saying earlier, we can't neglect the fact that Jesus came and saved us of damnation. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone. And it's hard to put that in perspective, especially when it comes to certain types of sin. Yeah, I understand, and we, but we can't pick and choose. Let's let Jesus yeah, we're, judge. Now we're trying to be the arbiter of morality. As soon as I say that, right? Like, right. oh God, you would save a murderer. You would save a guy mm-hmm. who, and who that's sacrificed babies. Or and something. that's hard for us. But like, who are we to judge? Like, how can we judge that? Well, this sin. If is the I one. was, if I was God, I would do it differently. Right. So we <laughs> we all have sin, and we all have the potential for great sin, and mm-hmm. we all get salvation. Should we actually change our hearts and actually repent and? choose to follow him, but like, um, and ask for forgiveness. But I, I, and I, and I get that it's, we sometimes Christians feel like drawing a line or people feel like drawing a line saying, well, so a serial killer shouldn't be allowed to be saved though. He should get the full maximum punishment. It was like, well, who's to say that that line should be drawn there? Who's to say that you should be saved? Well, mm-hmm. a pretty good person. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's what you always say. It's just a sliding scale. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so I haven't murdered anybody. Yeah. So it's like, do you think you should be the one that's allowed to judge like who gets us to be saved and who doesn't based on how good of a person they are or should it be the person that knows or maybe person isn't really a good way to describe God. The being that knows everything all the time. 
So the person that's omnipotent and has omnipotent power and he's all-knowing, I think he's probably more apt to judge. Yeah, and I think it would be hard for myself to be a Christian if he didn't forgive all sin. Maybe. I don't, no. I'm, I'm going to have to look through, I'm going to have to think through that again. But the fact that those people can have a second chance that he gave that ability to them is just, I guess that's just more concrete evidence for myself that he is the sure definition of love because of all sight, all types of sins. God can look at that and say, I will wipe your slate clean. Mm-hmm. That shows you how much I love you. I know that you did these awful, terrible things. I know that you're deserving of wrath, but here's a free gift. I'm asking you to just accept it, and I will give you salvation. I do suppose that that would be in some way a net negative if there are p- certain people on this earth that, that he just could not forgive. That, that he that if you commit this crime, then you won't be forgiven. And because those people that commit those crimes, there's they no might hope. just be like, well, there's no hope. But they might just be like, what well, the hell with it then? Yeah. And this there's if there's no salvation for me, then why do I care how bad I am? If I've already crossed yeah. the line, then I'll just keep crossing the right. line. Because yeah. there's no point. The furthest that I can go because what does it matter anymore? Yeah. My soul can't be saved. Yeah. Yeah. So um there's the, that. The too. end result is gonna be the same no matter what I do at this point. So why not just keep becoming worse and worse and worse? I think that would be a that would oh yeah, there's always a chance to get that salvation, even on your deathbed, after you've done a terrible, terrible thing throughout your life. Like mm-hmm. God can just yes, if you truly repent. forgive you and accept you into the kingdom as long as you actually repent and accept him into your life. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. And it's, it's not just the words, right? It's your heart, that, that you've shown God that your heart is changing. Mm-hmm. Emily, would you like to finish reading 15 to 18? Well, it starts on an and, though. That is weird. Guys, come on, gra- grammar here. We all should know that ands are not ways to start sentences. Well, it's not a sentence. It's just where the verse starts. Why'd they put the verse there? Weird. They put it in the middle of a sentence. So I'll just start from the sentence that's in. There's actually a lot of... Wow. It is part. Just a giant sentence. There's a lot of like 14 and 15 biblical is one theologists that, that really question where they put verses because they're like, it doesn't make sense to put it here. Okay, well, and anyway. I think this is one of those it cases. It could be and that. And starting from verse 15 to the end, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give and to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make Huh? Propitation? Sure. I, I've never seen that word. It's a word. I looked it up, I think, when I read I was like, phone, tell me what it means. I think I'll have to do that again. I think it's propitation. For the sins of the people, for in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Mic drop. <laughs> Interesting. Those who are afraid to die can now take refuge in Jesus Christ. As all those who are enslaved by sin. That's kind of what I just get out, out of it. He was made brethren in all things, you know, reference to earlier. He's being made brethren, so he's more relatable too. So that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitation for the sins of the people. I, I guess it would feel a lot better having someone who is more relatable coming down and showing mercy and teaching lessons than if you just hear like a booming voice from heaven all the time. Mm-hmm. Not that that hasn't happened in the Bible and didn't have its place. But for this, they probably needed a teacher. He was human. Mm-hmm. That could be more related to. Yeah. And 
I, I think 15, 16, 17, 18 are good to read together because uh, it kind of just wraps up that he, he gave us that choice. When he gave that sacrifice, when he sacrificed his life for us, he kind of gave us the ability to choose our destiny in the sense of that we can accept that free gift of salvation mm-hmm. or deny him. Um, and God will tell us in the end times when we, when we go upstairs to see God, he's either going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, or he's going to deny us and say, I never knew you. Mm-hmm. So he gave himself through that suffering, being tempted. And I, I like that it emphasizes that. Because like you were saying, it kind of makes him human. He was tempted. He can relate to us when he was in the desert. Um, but he ex- he experienced the harshest of sufferings, which makes him relatable, like you were saying. Yeah, in 18. For since he himself was tempted and that mm-hmm. which he had suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are, who are tempted. tempted. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, like he can relate to it. But he can relate to it because of his human experiences. Yes. You know? Yes. Lived experience. But like I said, he's not 50% human. He is fully, he was fully human and fully God at the same time. And I know that can hurt the brains of some philosophers and atheists, but we'll have to explain it some other time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't like not j- just saying that as in I'm brushing it off. I'm not. I would love to talk about that in depth one day. Yeah. It's... Adding to the aspect of mercy, like being able to have that lived experience, I think, like even though he knows our experiences, something about him going through actually what people have gone through makes it even more powerful that he is being put Mm -hmm. on that cross and taking on all of that sin and temptation that we experienced and knowing what it feels like, knowing like being living with people in community and seeing that sin, seeing that temptation and actually like living mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. atmosphere. It was probably more emotionally invoking too for yeah. his disciples to see him on the cross just because like he was with them for so long and live with them and that's what helps create human connection. So and much knowledge so they probably, and feeling. Yeah, they probably cared for him quite a bit and then to see him die was in that way was probably just horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, exactly. Horrendous and traumatizing. But to, I, I often not often enough, but I often just sit it's usually I usually do this when we're taking communion. As I sit and I think and I picture Christ on the cross, I picture him looking at me and saying, Justin, I'm doing this for you. I did this for you. And because it's hard to put it in perspective of Christ forgiving all, um, which he definitely did. But you have to think about the fact that all those sins that you've done, all those mistakes you've made, God, God's sacrifice was so that you could see him one day in paradise. And because of his immense, never-ending love for you, uh, and all that we have to do is accept that free gift of salvation. Um, I think it's beautiful. And yeah, maybe once we accept that gift, that life won't be easy. But you know what? As they say, you know, the difficult road can sometimes lead to a beautiful destination. So even if it makes it way, way harder, trust me, it is way more worth it than doing the easy road of living your own way because it's going to end in your destruction, both afterlife and in life. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts, guys? I think you did pretty good. I think that about wraps it up. I, I think, think we that Jesus. It out. What? We thunked it out. Thunk, we did thunk, thunk it out. It out. Nice. Fully thunked. It has been fully thunked. Thank you all for listening, and uh, we're going to end this in prayer. Yeah. So today at church, I did the church life prayer, and I'm going to read the prayer that I wrote for that. Awesome. 
Dear God, thank you for being involved in our lives, ever-present and wise, leading us down the paths of righteousness and giving us salvation. We are your children, adopted under the covenant of Abraham. Mm -hmm. You could have left us in the dust, but instead you have raised us up as your beloved children, your very creation. God, help us not to tarnish your name in the sights of others. Let Christian values enter back into our nations. Provide for our leaders and in upcoming elections. Whatever the outcome, let your glory reign. Take away our selfish desire to get ahead of others. Help us to value the presence of our fellow man, for you have created us to be creatures that thrive in community. God, in this fall and winter season, let joy reign in the hearts of men and women for gratitude and giving. Help us to have an understanding of your glory and to share that truth with those around us. Give us direction for where to place our efforts to good deeds and the sharing of your gospel. We praise you for sending your spirit to dwell within us. Help us not to neglect the Holy Spirit's constant counsel in our lives. When we are in trouble, when we are confused, when the world appears to be breaking apart, help us to turn to you first and not our fears that come from the mouth of Satan. Not only in the days of suffering, but when we are happy and feeling fulfilled, Lord, help us to turn to you in every circumstance and walk along your path of light. You are the author of salvation. You sanctify those who trust in you. You prepare us for your kingdom, the more that we obey and trust in you. Lord, let us hold on to that salvation and not turn from your glory. Help us to walk with you all the days left in our lives and dwell in your house forevermore. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Inspiration from that chapter. <laughs> That's all we have time for today, guys. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We do have social media. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Feel free to comment and ask questions on any of those platforms as well. We also have a website, disciplesquest.net, where you can find all of our online activity aggregated. There's a contact form there where you can reach out to us directly through our email if you prefer that method of communication. And please send us your questions, criticisms, ideas, or stories. We don't get enough of those. We would love to have more. You can also find Emily's blog on our website and our Facebook that is dropped every Wednesday, so be sure to check that out. And quick shout out to our Patreon subscribers, Philip, Brandon, and Darlene. Thank you so much for supporting this show. If anyone else would like to support this show, prayer is always a good option. We certainly can't get enough of that, but Patreon is the best financial option for support. Thank you so much for listening once again. Thank you for your prayers, and may God bless you on your quest to become better disciples. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.